0: Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you going, Set? I'm good. All right, let's uh let's jump right in. We have plenty of stuff to talk about this week and uh um Big news. Well, it's not news. It's not a new information, but it's the big milestone that is worth talking about is the official opening of the uh, supercharger network to the first um, non-Tesla EV automaker. And uh, obviously a lot of them will follow suit very shortly but the first one is ford uh rightly so because ford did get the ball rolling if you remember uh last year when they uh, announced that they're gonna adapt nax as the as the official uh charge connector for all their electric vehicle in north america starting in 2025 we're not 2025 just yet but um they uh they, they did plan for an adapter to be available before that so that all the 40 V owners would have access to the supercharger network, even though their vehicle don't have the, the right connector for it. And uh, that's what happened this week, is the, the launch of the NAX connector, um, CCS to NAX. And Tesla is onboarding, it looks like EV uh, automakers one at a time. Starting with Ford. Uh, Ford is making it free. Uh, you can go straight on the website. We have our, our own Chance, uh, Chance Miller from, uh, you might know him better from 95 Mac, but he works with us uh, every now and again. And uh, he's a Mackey owner. And uh, uh, Ford sent him one of the adapters, which has a retail price of $230. But you can go, if you're a Mackey owner or a Ford F 150 owner, you can go to Ford's website and uh, enter your VIN. Uh, it says eligible owners, but I I don't see like what are the criteria for eligibility. I, I'm pretty sure everyone can get one,
1: right? Yeah, uh, I I don't know if you're if you're a Ford Pro, uh, you can get one, but I think because uh, they're doing fleets differently. But I mm, pretty, I'm Good pretty I'm pretty sure that uh, most Ford owners can get them. And it, like, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's free. Yeah. Like they kind of should just send one out to everybody. I think.
0: It's just—it was weird the way they announced it. They said everyone eligible, but it does sound like everyone, like you said, maybe the pro is—that's uh, a good point. But other than that, uh, I, I think everyone can get one. And uh, and yeah, that, that's really cool from Ford because that's—I uh, mean, it's—it's it's a small gesture, about two hundred dollars—the uh, cost of this thing—but uh, it has such a big impact. Not for everyone, obviously. Some people don't even charge dc fast charging they don't do long distance driving and all that but for those who do the supercharger network is just far beyond anything else in north america at least In other part of the world like there is more competitive network but um i would still probably argue that tesla is the best but uh they in europe they have better they have things are better than the other options that we have here in north america uh, though it's also getting better, but <laughs> uh, not anywhere near the pace of this is going. So what we learned in the details here of this uh, opening of the charger network for 4DV owners is that it's not all supercharger. First of all, the adapter only works with V3 uh, stations, so you can forget about v, uh, sorry, V3 and up, I should say. I'm sure V4 works, obviously. Um but uh, so not V2, not V1, V1, there's only a very few stations that are V1. Most of them are are, are V2 and V3. And nowadays they have way more V3 and V4 than they are V2. So that's a good news. It's still over 15,000 superchargers uh, stalls. And uh, it's not all V3 and V4 though. Tesla has reserved a few of them, uh, not eligible for Ford um, drivers just yet. We assume that those are related to traffic. So those that are already like not a barely able or not able to support Tesla's vehicles, uh, it doesn't make any sense to onboard, uh, another, uh, another automaker in them. But knowing Tesla, knowing how quickly the supercharger, um, network grows, we assume that Tesla is going to build the capacity or at those stations sometimes Tesla had stalls to existing station or builds another station like right next to an existing one that's also pretty common now um, to address that issue and those stations will likely be open to 40 of the owners now it's not all smooth uh, to be honest so in the in the app uh, Tesla actually shows out uh, though it, the app experience is pretty smooth uh, in terms actually you don't even need the Tesla app uh, uh, that's what chance uh, explained uh, plug-in charge works with Tesla vehicle on Ford on the Ford app so all you need is the blue oval app they call it and and Ford mixes the supercharger network into its existing uh charging station that have plug in charge to that uh, uh, sh- support that so now basically it just adds more option for the navigation for navigation system to route you to, to your destination with different charging stations, including Tesla vehicles. And when you arrive at a Tesla charging station, you plug in, you charge just like the normal Tesla experience. Now, if you don't have a Blue Oval plug-in charge, uh, you can go through the Tesla app with a Tesla account too, and that will work. Um, but most likely than not, you're going to be set up with the Blue Oval app anyway. If you're already using your your car for long distance travel, you're probably already familiar with it. Um, Now, the problem, the main one is, and you can see it here uh, in this video. I don't know where uh, the shot is exactly. But um, so here we have the adapter on the the charge connector on the supercharger here. But uh, this is using the f-150 lightning which is driver's side front of the vehicle and what does that do is that you need to park forward to get to the supercharger stall and when you do that you're gonna have to be on the wrong side of the um parking spot for the stall so you're gonna block the next stall next to it and uh, that's the one that you're using uh, and that's both the case for the mag key i think and the uh f-150 lightning yeah right? a, lot, the a, lot of,
1: the, a lot of vehicles actually
0: yeah uh but both of ford's current evs have the port there so actually in the tesla app they tell you to straddle the uh the line on the parking on the parking spot so you're not completely blocking the next one i don't i've i've never i've not seen that in real life see how it looks like uh, I, i've seen it like uh, on on the app and it's looks possible that you can still use the second station. Probably not with the Lightning, though. The Lightning, I would doubt that. I don't know if we have a good look here at it. Um, I mean, I
1: don't don't understand why you would do that. That's certainly taking up two spots. If you park in the next lane over, theoretically, another Ford vehicle could park next to you and use the one to the right. So I I don't know the logic in that. I guess if you straddle it, you're getting a little bit more slack from the uh, cable so maybe it it goes a little farther um i i remember when uh one of the other uh youtubers was doing their ford f150 and they plugged it in it was like tight like the the cable could barely reach so i guess yeah. by straddling the line you're getting a little bit more slack there yeah um not
0: ideal. Obviously, not the case with the V four. If you have, uh, if you go to a V four Tesla supercharger, the, the cables are like three feet longer, I think, so well, at least two feet longer. Makes all the difference. Um, but still, Tesla in the, the Tesla released a new page on their website now. Uh, called. Tesla.com slash next, where they reveal some information about the rollout. They did reveal uh, four next automakers that will f- come after Ford. Rivian, GM, Volvo, and Polestar are going to be the four next automakers to be to, to, to be onboarded into the Tesla Supercharger network. And are they doing and it in the order
1: that they signed, basically? Is it like whoever well, signed I mean, up first? I, I, pre, so GM was the
0: second one, uh, and GM. Went, Earlier this year, Tesla did say the GM would arrive in February, so that obviously we're March 1st, so that's uh, not the case. Um, but uh, yeah, it pretty much is. If you follow, it's it looks close to that. Uh, Rivian was also uh, pretty early in adopting it, and Rivian did also. I, I would assume that since... All the news came out about Ford and the Supercharger Network this week. All the other automakers are being bombarded by their, their EV owners about, hey, when, when can we get access to the Supercharger Network? So Rivian was quick this week to like, hey, we're working on it. Looks like it's going to be in March. So Rivian's going to be one of the first. Uh, GM also I would expect soon, and then Volvo and Polestar too. That's interesting. But yeah, and on that specific page, Tesla does say that they encourage other automakers now to. Uh, to all standards, standardize their charge port location um, and they do suggest obviously a driver's side in the back or passenger side in the front um, so we'll, we'll see if people
1: uh, yeah we'll see how that goes that. yeah um, Fernando who's the, uh, our YouTuber who was there um, at the New Jersey event um, was noting that um, it's mostly a psychological advantage like just having that 200 a dollar product in your hand as an EV owner means that you can charge all over the place. And yeah. you know, you wake up every morning with 300 miles, unless you're going on a road trip or doing some crazy, you know, going one side of the state to the other side of the state, you really don't go 300 miles unless you're on a road trip. But having that thing in your hand, it it's like, it changes your whole or outlook. in your on, car? <laughs> well, in your car, theoretically. But um, yeah, it you'll just, leave it, you'll leave it in your car somewhere. <laughs> no, you just always have to have it in your hand. That that makes it <laughs> more real. Like yes, <laughs> um,
0: but- no, it's it's a good point. It's a, it's good. It's a little thing that's going to affect range anxiety. That's going right. to l- limit, uh, curb a little bit of range anxiety. Um, yeah, and it's one of the main thing we we I when I I've been doing a lot of Uber lately, and I get in the car and I always get a, an electric Uber, and every time it's not a Tesla vehicle. And I asked them like how's been your experience, or everything, because a lot of the times these people are like brand new to to test yep. to, to electric vehicles because now the Uber has a ton of great deals on getting into electric vehicles for Uber drivers. So they are kudos to, to Uber. They're introducing a lot of people to electric cars. And uh Every time uh, like I was in a Mackie, especially just a few days ago, and uh, they say the same thing you say "Ah yeah it's a great car, I love it but i went to the, when I was in Montreal I went to Toronto a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, it was a nightmare to uh, to get the charging station and everything, and I was seeing like all the test of vehicle pass me by because <laughs> they were they were trying to the supercharger and yeah, it's a problem now, the supercharger network by itself, having access to it is not a an all be all solution uh, Ford has some progress to do on their own charging capability because these vehicles are also limited in terms of their charge rate, uh, 150, I think, 170 yeah, Kilowatt so is the it used to be, charge you, rate. It
1: used to be nice to have 150. Now it's kind of like, eh, it's bottom yeah, end, low end. Yeah. So they need, they need to up that up and everything, but
0: it's, it's it's great progress. Now, on the Tesla side of thing, I, I posted an article um, yesterday about this. I thought it was interesting because... I would argue that it's kind of an altruistic move from Tesla because I still think that there's more value of Tesla using the supercharger network as a moat than opening up as a business. But it's still a great business, and that's what we're going to get into right now, Um, is that Tesla is charging more these Ford EV owners and eventually other non-Tesla EV to use a supercharger network. Um, they do that for the reason that I just mentioned. For example, like it, it does, they do take more time per session than Tesla owners, so they do take up more of the capacity of the network. Uh, even though they, at the end of the day, you, you you pay for the electricity you get. But we know that in the charging business, it's not as simple as that. It's not like I, I pay this for a kilowatt hour, I deliver you a kilowatt hour, I put like a 10, 20, 15% margin or whatever. Uh, It doesn't just work like that because you have like those peak charges. It's like when you have more EVs charging at the same time, then the um, electric utility will jack up your price like crazy. So it's not as simple as that. so Tesla, what it's doing right now, I looked up a bunch of different... Because uh, now you can go in the Find Us page, and or, or actually Find Us page doesn't always have all the pricing. Uh, in the app, you have a little bit more pricing information on you, but that's more of a, your local stations. Anyway, uh, you can see the price now of both the Tesla... What the Tesla owner is, char- is getting charged and what uh, non-Tesla EV is getting charged at a charging station. Looking at them, it's, it varies quite widely. I've seen like some 25% to 35% premium on the kilowatt hour pricing across the board. Um, just for example, like just here, uh, the one in Beardseville, that's not too far from me. It was like 44 cents per kilowatt hour for, for Tesla vehicle, mm-hmm. which is crazy because we pay 9 cents per kilowatt hour. Here. And that's Canadian. But again, it's, yeah, Canadian too, uh, and it was fifty-four cents for non-Tesla EV, which is the ten-cent difference, about twenty-two percent difference. Uh, but other places like thirty-five, thirty-six percent difference. So, but you can get rid of that if you want with a Tesla membership. So this thing popped up in the Tesla app uh, a few a few months ago. Well, when Tesla started doing the magic dock things, it was probably a little bit early because I doubt that many people bought that with just the magic Dock because they were like so few stations. unless there's like one station that you go all the time that has it that maybe makes sense. But Tesla is now making available supercharging membership for $13 a month, $13 US. You get the same price as the um, Tesla owners. Now, is it a good deal? Is it a bad deal? I think it's a reasonable deal as long as you use the supercharger network like more than once a month. Cause it goes it goes pretty quick. Like $13, one session, if your 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 charger is like 30, 35% more expensive. One session, you're probably already like covering your cost of membership. Two sessions, you're already in the positive. So it really depends on how you use the network. If you think you're gonna use a supercharger network more than twice a month, more than once a month, really, twice a month or more. Uh, you uh, you probably are better off with a supercharger membership, so that's good business for Tesla. Now maybe not, because obviously there are uh, 2.5 million electric vehicle in the US right now. I, don't, I I didn't actually look up Canada, but let's see. Let's say three million with Canada. I'm not, uh, probably, that's probably way too much, but uh, and most of them are already Tesla vehicles, so Tesla's not going to sell a ton of membership there because. It's already mostly Tesla owners, but it's growing fast. It's growing fast and it's growing faster. Now Tesla is closer to 50% um, of the market. So there's a lot more non-Tesla EV coming to market so that the shift is, is happening. Uh, so it's expected that there over 10 million EVs in North America by 2030. And that, at that point with 10 million EVs on the road, I can see Tesla having like a million of them on supercharger membership. Which would be like a $13 million a month revenue, $150 plus million a year. And that's just from membership. You haven't even delivered a kilowatt hour just yet. The 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 actual charging business is going to be way bigger than that, like an order of magnitude bigger than that. Like it's going to be a billion dollar business. Easy. Um, some analysts are even projecting that the uh, Tesla Supercharger Business is going
1: to be worth between $10 and $20 billion a year by the end of the decade crazy. And they're getting uh some subsidization from the the IRA. So they're <laughs> they're getting they're getting money to to build out their big money maker.
0: Yeah. Obviously su- charging business is super capital in- intensive. Like it costs a ton of money to deploy a charging station and then you get back that money over a long period of time if all goes well. So, yeah, now the IRA did does uh, the, the federal government offers significant subsidies for deploying those stations. It's helping a lot of uh, uh, companies do that. And Tesla wants to be among them. And obviously, one of the requirements is that uh, the, the charging station work for more than one uh, automakers. And now that uh, now that it is literally the case. Um, all right. There was a lot of Roadster talk this week. <laughs> uh it made the news all over the place it sent the tesla twitter um a flame for a few days really uh it's elon basically elon out of the blue but out of the blue it sounds like he had a design meeting about the the roadster i said that um I say out of the blue because some, a lot of times he's prompt by followers to say something and like he answer a question. This time it was just like a direct tweet just out there. Tonight, we radically increase the design goals for the new Roadster. There will never be another car like this if you couldn't even call it a car. So a little bit cryptic, but not really any new information other than increase the design goals. So they changed the design from the original new roadster unveiling, which dates back to 2017. So really, like, I would hope so. If, if that thing is still planned, I would hope so that it's been, it's been increased in uh, design goals. Then he adds production design complete and unveiled by the end of the year, 2024, aiming to ship next year. So this is, uh, So this is the only new information really that that was released is that it's delayed again because the last time we talked about 2024 and now it's 2025, but uh, maybe we get an unveiling by the end of the year. Also, they just changed the design goals. So they need to redo the design engineering or at least part of it by the end of the year and then production as soon as next year. So call me a little bit skeptical. And it's not like we haven't been burned before when it comes to the new Roadster anyway, again. 2017 it was unveiled. I think at first they said 2019 it was going to come out, 2020, maybe 2020. I think it was 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, Anyway, one or the other, and it was delayed literally every single year since. All right. Uh, Then he added also that it's going to be a collaboration between Tesla and SpaceX, but that's, again, not super new because... He did after unveiling the first version he quickly said that there would be an optional spacex package that would include 10 cold air thrusters that would act as mini rockets and help the car accelerate create downforce and even possibly jump and over or fly he said um also aiming for a sub one second zero to 60 miles per hour acceleration that he already said that too that would again be be um, capable of that through the to, to the, the cold air thruster, to the, like the mini rockets on this thing, someone did say like um, they did say will it fly? And then Elon responded with the two little eyes. Like I'm not even exactly sure what it means that, but like again, I think he's hinting that it, it will it will fly. Yeah, really. I, I'm trying not to get too excited about it, especially as someone who's won two of them as part of the referral program. Set set two, obviously. Um, it's hard to get too excited about it because again, the only new information the real new information I see here is that it's delayed another year,
1: yeah at what least, at least like? another
0: year at least yeah yeah
1: i mean we're gonna we're gonna theoretically see an updated version at the end of this year. I mean when you know he's saying he's at a design meeting like that that seems like that they're not making production vehicles, I mean unless it's just you know slightly modified design. A design meeting kind of means, you know, we're talking about Roadster 3.0 and, you know, Roadster 2.0 never came out. They could have almost said, like, hey, we canceled that Roadster and we have a new Roadster that has different design goals or whatever. So, which
0: make him a liar when he said last week or two weeks ago that Tesla never brings on Villa prototype that they don't bring to production. Right. Uh, if if that car is really radically different from the the, the car that they unveil in 2017, that makes him a, a liar on that. Obviously, I'm not going to harp on this too much if they actually do bring the vehicle to production. But yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to get too excited.
1: Yeah, it, it would. You know, it's at least we know theoretically we'll see a new prototype at the end of this year, which is yeah. two months over. So in ten months. Uh, We'll see another iteration of the Roadster prototype. And he said it's going to be the craziest
0: demonstration he's ever seen.
1: Well, it's going to blow your
0: mind. It was supposed to show the SpaceX package like uh, in 2020 or something. He he responded to one of my tweets about that actually, but he never did. The Model Y pricing uh, is back up, unsurprisingly, because it was a temporary discount. So it's a new strategy that Tesla announced um, last month. $1,000 $1,000 discounts on Model uh, Y rear-wheel drive and Model Y long range. And now they are back up after March 1st today. Um, now starting back again at 44000 and before the tax credit, which is uh, eligible on both if you are eligible uh, based on your income. Uh, so yeah, Tesla stay true on that. There, 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 again, there's some uh, theory on that, that Tesla was maybe trying to take advantage of the Super Bowl and the surge in electric vehicle interest after the Super Bowl, even though Tesla doesn't do ads on the Super Bowl in the past, when other automakers have done, and again, they've done plenty of them this year, it result in a surge of interest on Tesla vehicles also. So maybe they were trying to take advantage of that. Uh, but you still can get. Pretty heavy discounts on the Model Y inventory vehicles. So you get uh, your, your forty thousand dollars ones, but uh, forty-four thousand dollars ones. But you have a thirty-nine. I've seen some as low as thirty-nine thousand dollars right now in inventory. Uh, and inventory, it's still a new car. Not all of them are eligible for the uh, the, the the tax credit, though. Look it up first, because uh, sometimes it can be like a last year model, and the requirements change. It's kind of weird. All right, we have plenty more news to discuss, but we're going to move on from Tesla right now. Uh, but before we do, I want to say a quick thank you for everyone that's listening right now. And if you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, if you can give us a like, subscribe or thumbs up whatever it is on your on your app you're watching because we're live everywhere basically multi-platforming and all that Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you do enjoy the show that helps a ton if you're listening on the audio only version of the podcast then if you can give us a five-star review obviously only if you enjoy the show that also helps a ton it's free to do takes a second helps the show tremendously and we appreciate when you do it also, in uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes when we're done with the news, we're going to jump into your comment section. So if you guys have any question for us about any topics that we are discussing today or any other topics in the EV world that you want or take on, uh, you can put them in the comment section right now and we're going to get to it in just a few minutes. But uh, first, let's take a quick look at the updated VW ID.4. So we had our own uh, Jamie Dow uh, take a nice little drive in it in California uh, last week, I think. And uh, and he gave us our impression and he, he was uh, satisfied with the, with the update. So the update is only for the bigger battery pack version of the vehicle, the 82 kilowatt hour one, the base battery with the 62 kilowatt hour pack. Is, uh, is still uh, the same, other than actually a little, little price increase, uh, $1,500 more uh, to get that 24, 2024 model year. But the 82 kilowatt hour version gets uh, a nice little motor upgrade. Uh, so the uh, rear wheel drive motor is now more powerful, uh, 282 horsepower. If you combine that with the all wheel drive uh, version, so the dual motor one, it's 235 now uh, horsepower and big difference so that was one of the thing that people were a bit uh, uh not too hyped about the id4 is like for an ev like if you if you know evs like you know they are peppy like they're fun to drive like the acceleration is very reactive and the id4 was like the exception to that rule like it's not the most fun to drive in terms of uh, acceleration But this new update does help with that a ton. So the rear-wheel drive goes from a uh, a seven point 0 to 60, to a 5.9, so decent upgrade, and 5.7 to 4.9 with the all-wheel drive. So the all-wheel drive is going to be a lot more fun to drive, I think. Um, That bigger, more powerful motor also comes with more efficiency, so... That's a that's a good combination, more power and more efficiency, uh, bringing because you have the same eighty two kilowatt kilowatt hour battery pack, but it goes from two seventy five miles of range to two ninety one for the rear wheel drive, 255 to fifty five to two sixty three for the uh, all wheel drive version, which is a little bit less efficient. Um, Jamie was still not happy
1: about the of braking; uh, it's a little, a little bit too weak for him. So sorry, said. It's soft, yeah. I I think just VW like tunes their uh, EV stuff to be you know not incredible acceleration, not incredible regeneration. Uh, they you know I think they're trying to make a uh, gas car kind of experience. Uh, yeah, they that,
0: want they want people to be familiar with that feel, which is yeah. a bad feel. <laughs> just make the better product.
1: Yeah, it gets old quick. Yeah
0: uh there's a few updates the uh, user interface has been really updated apparently um you can still use the apple carplay and all that so if you prefer that stuff you can still stick to it but volkswagen has made a real effort to improve its own user interface the screen is a little bit bigger too i think yeah it uh, gained an inch so you know a little bit happier on that front and um uh the now as a chat gpt based ai assistant if you do care about that stuff uh Jamie was pleasantly surprised by it he thought it was uh good enough uh to be mentioned but uh you, you can you can check out this article for some of the tests he did with it uh it's uh, apparently like it's uh it's useful enough that it deserves
1: a mention <laughs> so my my big takeaway on Jamie's takeaway is that this is the vw id4 that volkswagen should have released originally like yeah it's peppy it's got the nice upgrades uh all the things that you know you were kind of wishy-washy like eh, vw whatever now now that this is actually a faster car it's more efficient like that's kind of crazy that they picked a motor that was slower and less efficient somehow yeah. previously and now they have uh much better on both counts. so
0: and the pricing is still sorry really good
1: yeah it's not um, bad
0: the all-wheel drive version, I think. Uh, uh, sorry, the the eighty-two kilowatt hour version starts at forty-four, I think. Uh, forty-five thousand dollars, something like that. I've seen the pricing somewhere in there. Yeah, basically forty-five thousand dollars if you want the the the, the new twenty twenty-four with the eighty-two kilowatt battery pack, and that's before the the tax credit because Volkswagen is one of the only foreign automakers getting the tax credit since they are building those in a. In Tennessee. All right, Polestar is not dead yet. So there was a lot of talk recently about Polestar probably, uh, not probably, but potentially being in danger because Volvo is divesting from it. But uh, Geely said, no, Uh, they're doubling down on it and they are injecting a billion dollar into the company right now. Uh, so this nice investment is is boosting the company nicely, uh, just as they need to because uh, they are ramping up right now with the Polestar three. So the Polestar three, I also have a quick news on that. Uh, so the the production has kicked off in China, uh, but we we know that what's exciting about this is that it's actually coming to uh, the U.S. to the production. Well, I, I, it's a bit complicated. So the the Chinese-made Polestar three are going to come also to the U.S., uh, but then in mid midyear, uh, Polestar is going to switch production to the South Carolina to their the, the facilities in South Carolina, so they're going to be U.S. built ones. Uh, I don't know exactly how they are making the pricing work on that, because uh, obviously they want to take advantage of the tax credit too, and that's only going to happen in California. But who, who's going to buy those cars in the meantime?
1: Is, I, I think is they're. Pol- it, I think Polestar is giving like a seventy-five hundred dollar. You know, yeah, yeah, that makes whatever. sense. Whatever. Yeah, kind of have to it's it's so weird though like going back to the volvo thing um you know we always talked about how volvo and polestar seemed like they were actually the same company i mean they operate out of the same headquarters in new jersey they build their stuff at the same factories their dealers are kind of connected like they're just so like intertwined and now it seems like volvo is like ejecting from that situation yeah but they still have as far as i know the same you know headquarters they still have uh like this um you know, the Polestar 3 is basically the same thing as the uh, Volvo EX90 and it's built at the same place. And, you know, like everything's still the same under the hood, but, you know, outwardly these two companies could like not get further away from each other. Like they seem (laughs) like they, weird. yeah, they, they, it's, it, it is a very weird situation. And, you know, I think Volvo, if they had it to do over again, may not have kind of, you know, wanted to IPO and they did a weird SPAC thing and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Kind of weird. But you know what? I so, like the Polestar 3 more than I like the EX90, visually at least. I got to disagree with you there. I love the uh, Volvo. Uh, yeah. You know, but
0: I, 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 I like the Polestar design language as a whole. I think I like the, the Polestar 2, I think, too, looks good. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean,
1: they both look I was, good. I think what I like about the Volvo, um, it, it looks kind of like a Volvo, which, you know, I've always liked their style, but I yeah. also like that third row. Yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fourth, what was that third row? It was a big
0: deal, man. All right. Then moving on from another EV startup that uh, has had trouble, though we don't have the solution just yet, like the billion-dollar injection that uh,
1: although he's giving them. Although I think uh, we found out recently that um, uh, who was it? Nissan was thinking about. Yeah, that? Nissan. I, yeah. I, I didn't put it in the in the podcast
0: post because I literally just posted the article before. Um, before going live, but we're going to talk about it. So, so Fisker last night posted their Q4 full 2023, full year 2023 uh, financial results. And it's not a great look. Uh, they are losing, they are measuring cash like crazy. And it's not like a Rivian or even a Lucid situation, but probably closer to Lucid, but Lucid as the Saudi sugar daddy, as Elon would say, uh, Fisker doesn't have that yet. Um, and uh, Fisker is just, they they don't have a great financial structure right now. And that's what I've been saying for a while. I've been telling people not to invest in Fisker just because they've been too desperate too early in their process. And uh, the, they are sitting on like $1.2 billion convertible notes right now. And as those get, con- like they are not going to pay that back because uh, as we just learned today with this re- these results, uh, so the, uh, they had $200 million in revenue uh, in Q3, in Q4, excuse me, which is great. Over two, two, $230 billion, uh in 2023. But they lost uh, about $400 million last year. And now they sit on $395 million in cash. So if you do the math real quick, uh, they have less than a year, um, before they ran out of money. Now, they did announce that they're slashing 15% of their staff, so they're trying to get the, some of their costs under control, but it, it's not going to help them much because they're still losing money on their cars. They still have a minus 35% gross margin right now. So they are, they're they announcing that they're delivering more cars. They are planning in uh, Q, in 2024 to deliver between 20,000 and 24,000 vehicles. So that's great. Uh, that's going to be billion dollars in revenues. For a company that right now is valued at two hundred and ninety-five million dollars, so uh, you do a quick math, you're like, this is a, probably a great investment. But again, the company is sitting on one point two billion dollars in convertible notes at a three hundred million dollar valuation. So, uh, and those are not familiar. With convertible notes is they have like different terms depending on the on the note and whatnot. But for the most part, what what happens is like when the note is due, you either pay the, the principal plus the interest, or you give the equivalent in shares with a discount on the share normally. And right now, if you have 1.2, like right now there's no way that they're paying it back because again, they're just losing money like crazy. They're, they don't have any room to spare for convertible for notes. Uh, you have a $300 million valuation company that has to uh, distribute $1.2 billion in convertible notes you're diluting that by a factor of 4 so it's horrific situation horrific financial structure right now they and what does that do like as a structure is like now going back to the market to raise more money is just not an option for them there's no one that's going to want to 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 get equity in that company knowing that those convertible notes are coming And uh, that's a situation that Rivian doesn't have, for example, because first of all, they don't even need to go back to market. They're still sitting on like $7 billion cash. But also, even if they they would need to go back to market, they would probably would be not the greatest uh, terms for them, but they, they would still be something available for them. It's not there for Fisker right now. so. The only silver lining is that in that release, they said that they are currently in negotiation with a large automaker regarding a potential transaction that include investment in a company and a joint development or one or more EV platforms. So that's from Fisker directly saying that. Then uh, what we just learned an hour ago uh, from a Reuters, uh, Reuters article. Here is that Nissan is apparently that company that large automaker they're talking to. Uh, Neither Nissan or Fisker commented on that report. To be fair, but uh, it did it. It it mentioned that it mentioned a potential four hundred million investment in Fisker and uh, Nissan building the Alaska pickup truck that was unveiled last year at one of their U.S. plants, and at the same time using that Alaska pickup truck platform for Nissan to produce their own edge pickup truck, which. You know, makes make sense. Totally, it's.
1: Sorry, it totally makes sense. I I think it's a a good deal. I think uh, Fisker's shares are up. Nissan shares are up. I mean, the, it's a the good deal. I just up.
0: don't know how it's going to work financially, though. I think the only way it works financially it's a takeover. That's what right. I posted this morning when I saw, when I saw uh, the the Fisker's result. I was like, I think the only outcome here is a is a takeover, because. I mean, the company is valued at three hundred million dollars right now. They were talking about a four hundred million dollar investment.
1: How right. does that work? I yeah, you've, I well, think <laughs> you basically just bought the company.
0: Yeah, yes and no. It's like it's not that that simple because again, I, there's one point two billion dollars in convertible notes coming too, and those note holders. Now Fisker said that they are in discussion with those note holders. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, so I would assume that. Well, Nissan has the, the 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 pockets to do that. Like they could technically pay back those loans for uh, Fisker and then just take over the company. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it would be a takeover. So I don't know. I don't know how that that looks like because uh, I don't know on the Nissan side what are they gaining here exactly, like because. They don't. They they don't need a contract to like. They don't. They're not Magna. Like they don't. They're not gonna.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Build the 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 Alaska for fun. Like they would. They're doing it now because it would be part of this this joint development platform and everything. And that I think Fisker could be useful for Nissan there because Nissan's a little bit behind on that. Like they could. They could use the pickup truck in the in the North American market, but. Is it really worth, like, keeping? Like, is it worth keeping the Fisker brand alive? Is it worth keeping the Alaska program alive, or is it worth just absorbing the whole company and delivering with the Nissan brand, which is obviously way more powerful than the Fisker brand? Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know how it looks like. I, I'm not even sure it's going to go through. The Rotor's report did say that that it might happen as soon as this month, though. Hmm. So, and I, I think it would need, they would need to. Like, Fisker cannot wait like six months and. Have like less than a hundred million dollars in their pockets at this point. Like they they're already in a weak position. They cannot get a lot weaker, or it's game over for them. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting situation to follow. It might be like one of the first like big EV startup to uh, to actually completely fall. Obviously, there was others that fell before, but they were like they, they never had a multi billion dollar valuation like uh, like Fisker had not too long ago. All right, we have one more piece of news and it's another matchup in the EV world. Volkswagen and XPeng matching up together. That's uh that's kind of interesting. So for those that don't remember XPeng, XPang is a Chinese-based company, a company that actually the founder admitted that he started after the fact that Elon opened up the the all the patents at Tesla. And he said that inspired him to actually build an EV automaker in China. And obviously there's been a lot of problems between Xpeng and Tesla since, uh, primarily because of the autopilot. So Tesla accused Xpeng, or at least accused former employees of Tesla that joined Xpengs of, of stealing the source card autopilot. Um, and we reported before, like Xpeng didn't hide the fact that they were copying Tesla for a while. I mean, they literally copied the, web, the whole website at one point. Uh, they copied the uh, the autopilot uh, UI. They copied like all the things that they copied. But they they are producing some cool things in, in China at the same time too. Now they've distanced a little bit themselves from Tesla. They they stopped like copying too much, um, and they are a real player in the Chinese EV market, which is which is huge. Um, and now Volkswagen is apparently um, partnering with them for two mid sized BEVs coming in 2026, again, coming to China. The first one is going to be an SUV. Uh, so I'm interested to see what that's that going to look like.
1: I have to say, I don't understand why auto companies feel like they need to pair up. I mean, we, we talked about a few of them, but there's so many pair ups and I just like... Adding that, like, a car is already a very complex vehicle to, or a complex product to make. And you add another whole, like, you know, assembly line, group of people, like, management, like, all the other stuff. Like, it seems like the best cars come out of very small groups and very, like, focused areas. And the, this, like, tendency to, you know, create the alliance, like the Mitsubishi, Nissan, uh, Renault alliance, like, that just never, came out with any... I don't know. It just seems like the wrong strategy. Don't know why they do well, it. I, I, well, in China, I think it's a bit different because they
0: do have to partner with uh, right. local manufacturers. So that that makes a, a big difference. The Tesla is, I think to this day, the only one that managed to bypass that whole process with a uh, deal with the uh, Shanghai free trade zone. Um, and to be honest, I'm not following the Chinese market too closely. So I'm, maybe some others have managed to to do it too. But for the most part, until Tesla, everyone had to partner with an existing automaker. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's more than that too from Volkswagen because uh, they had issues. Not just Volkswagen's, like other German automakers, other global automakers too. They had issues. Just penetrating the, the Chinese EV market or auto market in general. So XPeng has had some success in that. They they know the market very well. So maybe it makes sense on that front. But in terms of actual development and everything, I agree with you that uh, I don't I don't see that much value in that. Same with the Nissan and the Fisker thing. Like I don't, I don't. I think I think Nissan should have its own pickup truck by now anyway, electric pickup truck. But I
1: just my two cents on it.
0: All right, let's jump into the the comment section. and See what the listeners right,
1: say. We got some nice comments here. Uh, best EV show of the week, and another one from Twitter said, "One of my favorite podcasts." So thank you guys. Uh, Thanks, make guys. sure make sure you tell your friends. All right. Uh, so uh, we were talking about the chargers. Uh, Rather be surfing 777 says that's why they limit sharing to V4 chargers, which have longer cables. Well, they also do V3 cables. Um, there's another comment a little further down that I really like. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it was about putting a cable, an extension cable, on the adapter. See if <laughs> I can...
0: Oh, well, that's not a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they didn't uh, come up with that. I mean, oh, yeah, I guess... it's
0: uh, Pixel Electric. Yeah, I got it right here. I okay.
1: Could, yeah, could Ford could,
0: or a third party design a NAX extension cable a few feet to address parking spaces issue for AVs having their charging port on the front left or yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, like a five foot cable would go a long way. Yeah. I just it, obviously it's it's could another failure
0: point, potential failure point. So right. a lot of power is going through that. So it would it would need to be something uh official, I think. I don't think they would trust like um uh, Tesla and Ford both, in their, their their notes regarding this, they both recommend not to use third-party adapters in, uh, because there are already third-party adapters that exist before the official yeah, launch this week. And uh, they say not to use
1: that. It's, uh, it's too risky, they say. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, have you guys driven a VinFast BF8? Well, that's a great question. BF9 <laughs> yet. Designed by Pinaferina. I didn't know that was the case. Uh, yeah, the software yeah, is still the... buggy, but the hardware is legit. So talk to us about the VinFast VF8. Well,
0: I haven't driven one just yet, but I am i think I'm going to very soon. I don't know when because actually I'm leaving next week for Europe, but um, my parents just got one. Oset's Chrome browser just crashed again, I think. (laughs) They had some issues with that last week. Uh, But yeah, my parents, against my own uh, advice, bought VinFast VF8. And um, they got it. They took delivery this week, actually. Uh, So I haven't talked to them about it just yet. Uh, I'm really curious what's their first impression. So I'm at least going to have the first impression next week. I don't know if I'm going to have the change, chance to drive it, but I should probably do a full review of it anyway. So, in the, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a lot more content on the VinFast and we, uh, we're going to unveil this mysterious uh, Vietnamese company that came out of nowhere and, uh, and is delivering cars. Like, uh, I think just in Quebec, there's a few hundreds of them already and uh, uh, thousands of them in Canada and the US. So, it, it's coming.
1: Yeah, you got to give it to them. I mean, so, sorry, I, I jumped off there. Uh, there's a problem with Chrome and, and this version of the uh, streaming software. So it crashes like once per episode. Um, but VinFast actually made it to like like deliveries, which that's pretty hard and not a lot of companies do that. So mm-hmm. props for that. Um, let's go back to Pix Electric. I'm sure future EVs a- assessing Tesla's network would consider designing their ports on the left or front right. Um in fact, uh, I think uh Rivian's uh we saw a uh picture, we talked about it last week, um, of the uh well theoretically it's gonna be called the R2S. Um mm-hmm. has the charger on the passenger rear. Actually that that won't be beneficial, will it? No. Yeah, but it's it's actually on the corner, so maybe it maybe it's beneficial. I don't know. Anyway, uh so so whoops, I guess they did it the wrong area. But um they did move it from the front uh left, uh, which uh was also not not helpful in, in... but at the same time the R2 is gonna be on Ville next week, but it's not coming until
0: 2026,
1: 25. Right. I mean I I guess theoretically between now and then they could change the spot or or yeah. you know, whatever. Um, you know a lot of options there. All right. Uh pixel Tesla themselves made such a thing to charge the semi obviously not for sale unfortunately uh what is
0: oh he's talking about the extension cable yeah that's, the, oh, the, that's, that's, right. that's a good point that's yeah. true yeah so it's it, it definitely is possible uh it just I guess it could have like one that's uh, we've seen some charging station operator, like having a box locked locked in that you can unlock and you have the adapters in there, so maybe you can have an extension cable in there,
1: yeah, uh, it,
0: it's possible
1: I mean the longer the cable sure. like the bigger you have to make it because there's more resistance. that's why like the mm-hmm. electrify America cables are like you know huge fire hoses, beefy yeah, yeah so um it's not it's not as easy as you think. All right, question, did VW say anything about the ID Buzz getting the upgraded equipment that the ID4 unveiled had and also when the US sales will commence? Um v- VW said later this year uh on the when they're uh commencing and they haven't mentioned the improved motors and that's actually problematic because I I think you know the VW bus as it has always been is in- incredibly underpowered so uh, yeah, th- this will be the same thing, I guess. All right.
0: Uh, when, when I drove it though, like it's it's less of a a downer than in the ID4, for example. Because the ID4, like it's smaller SUV, like you would expect it more to have some pepiness than you do in the, uh, in the in the minibus. Like it's a minibus, so you don't. Uh, Expect to just just smoke someone yeah. at, a, at a red light or something. Yeah,
1: actually, you don't want to really be going that fast, in my thing. All right, Mister Turkey Neck has a great question. Any idea if why the refreshed Model Three does not have the forty-eight volt system that the Cybertruck has? Um, that I, I, it it doesn't. Uh, probably yeah. because it would have been a big upgrade, a bigger upgrade than exactly. So yeah, it's just too big of an upgrade. Like there's there's so much.
0: Model 3 manufacturing capacity right now around the world, Fremont and and, and Shanghai, that uh, it probably was too much of an upgrade for them to to do it. Uh, It's probably only going to happen once you have like a new new
1: production line from A to Z completely being deployed. All right. RGACT56, has Rivian got a horrible review in the recent Consumer Reports auto issue? Any comment? I mean, I, we, we, we did go back and forth. Rivian had a really bad review from, you know, what we called boomer uh, reviewers. But uh, then um, they, it came back as, like, the customer satisfaction was the highest on there. So I don't know which uh, review you're of, you know, in Consumer Reports you're going to believe. I'll have to check which one. I don't know if you saw that, Fred.
0: Yeah, but Consumer Reports also dings a lot on, like, if they take a delivery of a car and there's any problem on it and they have to go back to service and everything... Like they, they ding it so much on the review process with that. Um, and uh, which is, you could argue if it's fair or not. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, but for a new automaker, you would expect that anyway. Same thing happened with Tesla uh, early in the early days.
1: So I wouldn't be too scared about that. All right. uh, Three questions uh, for Rivian. Will the R2 move the charge port location to match Tesla's? We talked about that a little bit. Um, We did see that um, that it wasn't to match Tesla's, but uh, we don't know what it'll end up being. Will Rivian announce support for vehicle to grid vehicle to home capability? They've only hinted at it. And will they have a 240 volt outlet? Those are both great questions. Um, I don't want to. Uh, release anything that we're not supposed to talk about, but I think we're going to talk to a high ranking, uh, the highest ranking, uh, Rivian, uh, uh, person, and uh, we're going to ask questions like that at the event or after the event. We're hopefully going to have like a live, um, kind of watch party like we did with the uh, Cybertruck. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. we should have some pretty good coverage of that. Yeah, I think, uh, they Rivian knows that that's a highly requested item. Um, obviously, they play in the same world as the Cybertruck and and the Ford F one fifty Lightning that has a two hundred forty volt outlet. I would imagine that they are working very diligently on that already. Um, they know that uh, that's what their customers want, and they already have um, a two uh, sorry a one twenty volt outlet. Uh, so it's not rocket science to you know upgrade that to two forty. So I, I would say yes, that's coming, and I don't know um, if it's going to be something that can be upgraded in, in current Rivians. What do you think? Is it something that they have to do or should do or what?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be retrofitted either. But yeah, it was a big misstep, especially for the R one T, not to have that in the back. Like it's just, it's such a great feature of the F one fifty Lightning and the, and the Cybertruck. Um, that it makes no sense. Now the R12, I think, might just be a uh, might not be a pickup truck. might just be like uh, an SUV from what we we're seeing so far. So maybe, uh, I don't know if it's going to work that way. It's diff- It's useful too, just not as useful as in a pickup truck, probably. I would um, really yeah, like to I see
1: would, a pickup truck. Like I think a Maverick-sized pickup truck electric would be amazing.
0: They've been hiding it pretty good if that's the case. But yeah. well, still, stay tuned, guys, for our coverage of the R12 unveiling. It's March 7th.
1: Yeah, and um, I actually, um, we've been following Rivian's uh, electric bike efforts. Uh, they've been kind of hinting at that and hiring people. And I, after the last round of layoffs, I kind of peeked at all the, the Rivian bike people, and they're still there. So that's a good sign if you're looking forward to a Rivian bike. Uh, Slivian says VinFast is a big-ass company, cars, trucks, bikes, scooters, city bus. I believe they also make noodles, so they <laughs> they could not be bigger. No, they they are big. Yeah. Uh, Ian Smith says if the chargers are on the passenger side, they can be charged while cars are parked on city streets. Um, ah, good
0: point. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, passenger side.
1: Yeah, passenger side.
0: No. No, it's, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah. So if you put the, the yeah. charger on the passenger front, you could charge, you pull in front ways, you could charge at superchargers, right? Is that right? The correct way front, uh,
0: it's front passenger side, yeah, yeah.
1: So that I mean, front passenger side or rear, eh, whatever, do what you need yeah. to do. all front right,
0: passenger or rear driver.
1: But that is a good point. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. I, I mean, I guess you know that you only need a cable as wide as the car, and that's not crazy for yeah. street parking. Uh, EB1888 says, What do you think about the Indian company doing battery and charging product that includes faster charging with battery cooling through the charging cable? Saw so and fully charged." Um, well that's not new like uh we've got a lot of uh Tesla v3 and v4 uh charging cables are also liquid cooled so um that but I just I, I, I
0: was thinking the same thing you just said said but they said battery cooling through charging cable what's the oh so it actually you...
1: tra- cools the battery that that
0: yeah so there's like liquid cooling from the cable that goes through through the battery? Hmm. Am I understanding this correctly? I would need to check that out because that uh, makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's, uh, a, it's an Indian company. We'll, we'll look that up because <laughs> I, I missed that one. Oh, he responded. it says yes. Right. To yes to what I just said or yes <laughs> to, to to Seth's original explanation, which was my first thought too. But then I reread your comment and it made it made the uh, it would be I, I guess it's possible. So you would have like liquid cooling system
1: that the liquid that would go through the that uh,
0: creates a loop with the car. So but the car needs to be designed by the same people who design a charger. Yeah, and the
1: charger would car. have to be like air, you know, watertight. That would yeah, that, yeah. Which is like yeah, it's it's, it's uh, already a problem. A different disaster. Yeah. All right, we have a yeah.
0: So EB says yes. It says it's what I just described. That's that's interesting. All we right, have we
1: have we have a Vinfast driver. Uh, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> there there have been five hundred VF eight deliveries in Quebec so far, and we have one very happy customer.
0: Yeah, he had it for like four days. People, that's <laughs> 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 wait a bit. Uh, but he says so far, so it is so far. Uh, we'll have to look that up soon. though.
1: All right, uh, D Wadi says liquid cooling is just for the cable only.
0: I don't know if he's talking about the same company though. Yeah. He just he just made the same assumption that
1: we did at first. RX race cars have cooling through the cable. Oh, I guess it's a, a thing that happens. Oh, right. yeah.
0: Well, that makes sense for rally cross. Yeah. Okay. I uh, do. You, I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's just it's. I I don't like too many failure points. Yeah. In charging because like we, we, we still need to see some data about like charging station over time and hopefully they, they last long periods of times because it's been expensive to deploy the charging infrastructure obviously I think even if the charging stalls for example fail I think it's a lot easier to replace and if you already have the infrastructure at the utility level deployed to those charging stations so I think I think we it makes sense right now to invest a ton in EV infrastructure but uh, I, I think I think the uh, charging industry is going to settle into like the the, the biggest winner are going to be the ones that have the most reliable station that lasts a long uh, lasting or long lasting. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how that could play into that exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm open to two different solutions. It's also at the same time like I don't think we need that much faster charging than we are right now. I think like a, a 250, two hundred and fifty, three hundred and fifty probably 350 kilowatt. For commercial, like uh, for a consumer charging, like not like trucks and things like that, I think that's perfectly acceptable. The one megawatt charging that, like companies like and uh, Nexu, whatever the, the 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 guys that were supposed to 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 build the truck, but then they build the battery and now they're building a charger. Like I forget the name. Uh, they uh, talk about like, oh, we need absolutely one megawatt charging. I don't, I don't see that as a necessity. Necessity. All right, but that, that's us uh, for this week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. We enjoy doing it. It's uh, our highlight of the week. At the end of the week, we enjoy that. So uh, if you do enjoy it, please give us a like, a thumbs up. All those things are free to do. takes a second. It helps the show a ton. Uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. I'm going to be in Europe, though. We're going to be checking out the... Uh,